Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Good afternoon. My name is Robert Smith, and I'm Associate Director of the National Public Housing Museum in Chicago. So the mission of the museum is to preserve, promote, and propel housing as a human right. And we do that through exhibitions, public programs, and by bringing arts and culture together with public policy to create, you know, what we hope are creative and lasting solutions um, to housing and security. The National Public Housing Museum, which is not yet open, was founded in 2007 as the result of years of organizing by public housing residents. The original intent was to save the last remaining building of the Jane Addams Homes, a public housing development in Chicago, from demolition and preserve it as a museum. So the Jane Addams Homes is one of the first developments of public housing built in Chicago. They were opened in 1938 as part of the Public Works Administration. And you know the goal of the Public Works Administration was to basically spend money to stimulate the economy. Public housing construction had the added benefit of, of course, housing poor and working class families um, who were suffering in a really serious um, housing crisis that gripped the country. And the Jane Addams Homes, sort of contrary to the kind of typical understanding of what public housing is, mostly served um, white working class families. Eventually, by the time it closes, it it houses nearly um, all African-American families. And really, you know, the story of race can be charted in the ways that the Jane Addams Homes change over time from a place that housed mostly white immigrants to a place that houses mostly the black urban poor. And the Jane Addams Homes is made up of 32 buildings, 52 row houses. All of those are demolished, but for 1322 West Taylor Street, which is the building that will be the National Public Housing Museum. The Jane Addams Homes was targeted for demolition by the Chicago Housing Authority's Plan for Transformation. In Chicago, under the second Mayor Daley, Richard J. Daley, the conventional wisdom of the state and the philanthropic sector, the private sector, was to launch something called the Plan for Transformation, which um, resulted in the demolition of all of the quote-unquote notorious public housing developments. Um, 25,000 units of public housing um, came down. 25,000 units of public housing um, were supposed to be created so much of the plan for transformation happened without the, invo- the you know, involvement of public housing residents. And, you know, it all goes back to the public housing residents themselves. Um, so Miss Devira Beverly was a public housing resident in the Abla homes, of which the Jane Addams homes is one. And she was one of the leading activists and organizers in her community. And when the Jane Addams homes came down, Um, She was one of the leading voices that one of the buildings ought to be preserved as a museum. So I would say the seed is really, you know, Miss Severe Beverly and the group of of activists, mostly African-Americans, mostly African-American women who who were really instrumental in fighting to preserve the building, who sort of organized allies at foundations and academics um, to do the work to preserve the building and save it. 
The fact that they chose to preserve this one building, this one address that used to be part of this particular development, serves the whole message of the museum, the primacy of place. It, it, it frankly would have been much cheaper to um, build a museum from scratch on the open land that once was the Jane Addams homes than to go through the trouble of saving the last remaining building, um, you know, gutting it of its asbestos, of its lead paint, um, and building an institution um, in, inside of it. But for us, you know, the power of place is so important that it was really important for folks to, um, you know, walk through the, the look and feel of an apartment. Since the initial idea, the museum has evolved and is still evolving. You can tell by the mission statement that the point is not just preservation. So how does the museum figure out what to focus on and how to present to the world? You know, this is a museum founded by public housing residents. Um, and of course, public housing residents, you know, ought to have a say in the way their stories are recorded and shared. So our board, about half of the people on the board, either currently or have lived in public housing. Um, right now, I would say about three of 20 live in public housing right now. It's really important to us, um, both as a organization that's representing and sharing the stories and objects of public housing residents to uh, be co-creators and collaborators um, with folks in that community, but also because they can hold us accountable and they can tell us what's up. Um, they can tell us when we um, you know, make a wrong turn, but also importantly, connect us and be ambassadors to an incredibly diverse, enormous community um, where there are some kind of key institutions, but once all the buildings or so many of the buildings came down, people are really dispersed, you know, to the four corners of the earth. And in terms of the the, the, the museum itself, you know, my, my boss, um, the executive director, Lisa Lee, always says, you know, we're building the most exciting cultural institution in America. And I think she's totally right. Of course, there's still some decisions we're still making about what the museum um, will look like when we open next year. One key decision um, is that all of our tours will be led by docents who are current or past public housing residents. Um, you know, we've made a big commitment to through in a community benefits agreement and through all of our conversations with our public housing resident stakeholders. Um, so on these docent guided tours, um, you will um, be kind of oriented in what we're calling the storytelling space. You know, our museum is a museum of objects, but also importantly, a museum of stories. Visitors will um, encounter the stories of public housing residents across the country um, and meet their um, particular docent. You know, you'll move on to the apartment tours. The apartment tours will feature three furnished apartments made to look like they would have looked for three specific families that lived in the complex at different times. These are the Torowitz family, a Russian Jewish family that moved into the complex in 1938. The Rizzi family, an Italian-American family that lived there in the 1950s and 1960s when the neighborhood was becoming heavily Italian. And then the Hatch family, an African-American family that lived there in the 1970s. And through, in those apartment tours, um, you'll encounter um, objects, um, reproductions, and vignettes that really um, connect the national public policies that shaped um that shaped the lives of public housing residents. Um, everything from you know the Housing Act of 1937 
to the policies like the plan for transformation that brought the buildings down here in Chicago. Um, so you'll, you'll enter the Turovitz Medor apartment, um, who were one of the first residents of the Jane Addams homes. And, you know, you'll hear a story about the excitement of the Turovitz family to be living in an apartment that had never been, you know, tainted by pork. Um, so so the, the Turovitz family never needed to go through the kind of exhaustive cleansing rituals um, that a certain kind of Judaism <laughs> requires to keep a kosher kitchen. You'll move through the Hatch family apartment and, and think and talk about the kind of relationship of the Black church to the Black community um, in Chicago and elsewhere. You know, the incredible role that musicians played in public housing and all, you know, all the incredible musicians who, who emerged from public housing and moved on. Um, and they all had a distinct you know, sense of style. They all transmitted their culture through the food they ate to how they decorated you know, to the light up Jesus um, poster in one apartment to the mezuzah in another, to the Christmas tree in another, um, you know, these were the ways that people built, um, you know, built a life that was both remarkable and, and every day. And once you kind of pass through the three apartment exhibitions that connects, you know, national public policy to the lived experience of public housing residents, you'll, you know, hear the rest of the story. Um, or, and then you'll move into the final galleries upstairs where you will kind of experience and learn about, you know, what happens in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, you know, what happens at the urban crisis or in the urban crisis, what happens um, through deindustrialization, through the retreat of the state from, from public services, you know, and what happens when the buildings come down. And importantly, you'll end your museum tour experience in a room that we're now calling demand the impossible. You know, there have been lots of quote unquote impossible policies. You know, we might have thought about the eight hour workday as one time impossible. And we're interested in kind of introducing our museum audience to public policies that might seem equally impossible today, um, but are worth considering, um, are worth, you know, putting out into, into a civic space and debating, you know, things like housing first policies that provide um, homes first to homeless people um, and then allow services to be wrapped around folks instead of criminalizing the homeless or things like a universal basic income or other models of ownership um, and enterprise like the worker cooperative, um, like cooperative housing, um, like the community land trust, you know, different ways of thinking about the economy anew, the public housing residents have frankly been innovating for a really long time. Robert says that the National Public Housing Museum is tentatively scheduled to open in September of 2019, with a firmer opening date to be finalized soon. He and his team see museums as the right medium. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's that controversial to, to demand or to argue um, that housing is a human right. Of course, there are um, so many um, policy approaches to that kind of question. And for me, the museum is a kind of civic space, not to debate if housing is a human right, but to figure out how to get there. Um, and we hope that as an institution, we can bring people together to not necessarily um, agree, but to engage in a civic dialogue. And frankly, you know, with the news media as polarized as it is, um, with the kind of public sphere 
such that it is today so fragmented. We think that museums have a particular um, potential and we believe, you know, responsibility to be places of convening to, to help solve the problems that are facing our society. And I think it's really important, especially as a museum that is a national public housing museum, um, to do that for the country, but also one that is cited in Chicago, which is where so many of the issues of segregation, of racism, reach their height, you know, and reach their kind of ugliest conclusion. Um, it's really important for us to, to be an open door to convene those conversations in this city. This has been Museum Archipelago. If you like the show, you can support me by joining Club Archipelago. In exchange for your support, you'll get access to a new premium audio feed that guides you further behind the scenes of museums. You can join the club by going to patreon.com slash museumarchipelago or looking in the show notes for this episode. For more information or to submit feedback, go to museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend.